far as when I uh, came to know Christ, I was a sophomore at Ohio State. So, oh, so good things good do came. happen at Ohio State University. That's, <laughs> yes. wow, what an amazing, yes, what a great do. mission field. <laughs> yes, <laughs> says the Michigan guy. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the next episode of the No Greater Joy podcast, brought to you by the pastors at Grace Baptist Church in Westlake, Ohio, because we want for our people what Jesus wants for his people, and that's to know greater joy. And we know greater joy by stepping into the areas that bring no greater joy for God's people, being a 24-7 worshiper, a go-person, and an alongsider. I am Pastor Steve Strong, lead pastor here at Grace. Across the table from me is... Ryan Atkins, associate pastor here at Grace. And once again, a huge thanks to our tech genius, Dan Kraniak, a member here at Grace and producer for this podcast. So we're going to have a, a series of bonus episodes where we are just giving our people here at Grace an opportunity to share what we are calling their gospel collision story, or probably more commonly known as their salvation story. And so... Uh, happy to have with us Mr. Steve Glick for this episode. Steve, thanks for joining us. Yeah, happy to be here. How are you So Steve, why don't you just take a few minutes and uh, remind us who you are a little bit about your, yourself, your family, what you're doing, what, you're, what God's doing in your life, um, where he has you, and then just share a little bit about when you came to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, sure. So... Um so I am married. I have a wife named Michelle. We have three kids, uh, Jacob, Emily, Brianna. They are 14, 13, and 9, I think. Very uh, good. Do you know your birthdays? No, <laughs> we course, won't do that. Of you. course. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, we live down in Ritman, a little south of here, and I'm a math teacher at Cloverleaf High School. Uh, we lived in Turkey for a while, and that's that's a little bit about us as a family. Uh, as far as when I uh, came to know Christ, I was a sophomore at Ohio State. So, oh, so good things good do came. happen at Ohio State University. That's, <laughs> yes. wow, what an amazing, yes, what a great mission field. <laughs> yes, <laughs> says the Michigan guy. Amen. <laughs> so, um, maybe just take a, a few minutes and just talk about what were the circumstances and the people, um, what was your life like? Coming up to, what was your sophomore year? Yeah. Um, maybe just fill in those blanks. Yeah, sure. What was Steve What was Steve Glick's life before your sophomore year? And Yeah, so I, I grew up going to church every week, and would have kind of affirmed to the, the facts of the gospel, would have said that, uh, well, the, just that, that Jesus lived, that he was a teacher, that he was the son of God, that he died on the cross, that he rose from the dead. I would have affirmed all those facts that I would have found in the Bible, uh, and that basically was my kind of Christian experience going into college is that I would have considered myself believing in the Bible, believing that Jesus did those things, but not really having a real understanding of why, never really heard about salvation. 
Uh, but I was on my way into lunch, and they had people at the lunch line uh, asking me to fill out a survey. And this survey had a bunch of questions. It was actually a, a Christian group on campus, and it, one of the questions was, would you be interested in being, in being involved in a Bible study? And my experience with Bible study was we had youth group at our church growing up, and that basically meant playing basketball for a couple hours. And so I said, all right, yeah, I'll see what this Bible study is all about. And I started going to this Bible study, and it's funny because you don't necessarily realize uh, what you are not until you see a bunch of people who are the thing that you thought you were. So I saw when I was at this Bible study, they were opening up uh, the Bible, they were trying to understand the passage, and then trying to apply it to their lives. And so it was like, for me... Christianity was kind of like this, I'll go to church on Sunday and then the rest of the week kind of live your life for yourself and do whatever it is you're going to do. But I saw something in in the people that were at this Bible study and that were part of this group that they they had a genuine desire to know God better and to serve him. And that was, that was kind of an eye-opening experience for me because like I said, it was just, for me, it was about affirming the facts of what's in the Bible, um, but I had never, never really had that, uh, that experience of understanding even what salvation meant, but then also understanding what it meant to, to walk with Christ. So you grew up in this general area, right? In North Olmstead. Around the church, yeah, North yeah. Olmstead, and you would probably call yourself religious, right? Is that kind yes. of how you... Yeah. Maybe, you know... You said something interesting <clears throat> with, you know, there you are, you're at school, here you've, you're finding a group of people who are what you thought you were. Like, can you just maybe expand on that a little bit? Like, what did you think you were maybe growing up in, you know, whether it's your home in North Olmstead, going to church, uh, I'm assuming you went to North Olmstead High School, like, like what was your frame of... Just yeah. how did you view yourself? Yeah. Spiritual, what was the spiritual view of yourself? So my spiritual view of myself was that I, I would have called myself a Christian without really understanding what that meant or without really having a desire to make that the central part of my life. Uh, it's funny because I, I, I got a, a book of quotes. It was like a daily quote book. And one of the quotes, I think it was from, I don't remember, some some sports player, but he said, Christianity is not a... Uh, once a week thing. It's a twenty four seven walk with God. And I remember reading that in high school and thinking, no, it's really more. I don't even know what he's talking about. It's more like a once a week thing. And and so when I got involved in the Bible study in college and started being exposed to to people walking with Christ, I started to realize that quote that I had kind of dismissed from a few years ago was like, oh. So that this is this is that this is kind of what he's talking about. Yeah. So if you were to walk into North Homestead High School, your alma mater, if you will, your high <laughs> yep. school, and uh, because I would think, still a lot of the community around us in North Homestead perhaps thinks the same way. Oh yeah, I mean, I went to Fellowship of Christian Athletes meetings at at North Homestead High School. Uh, I was. I have very involved in the church. I was going to youth group things. At like, So I would have considered myself trying to do good things, trying to be a good person, which obviously those are good things. But it, 
never heard salvation articulated, never heard that. Um, so one of the key things, as I was starting to study the Bible on my own in college, uh, it was understanding that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that he rose from the dead to give me new life. And then there's this passage, in it's in 2 Corinthians 5, where it says, he died for all so that those who live might not live for themselves, but for him who died for them. And the idea is, once you really understand that Jesus died for your sins, that he, he was paying that penalty for you so that you could live, that he wants you to, to live for him. And just making that connection of, oh, this, this ought to, it's the most rational response for this to be the most central part of my life. Mm-hmm. So there your sophomore year in, at uh, that school down south. Uh, who are some of the, the important people that God used to bring you to, yeah. be, to, to put your faith in Jesus Christ so, alone? Uh, I'd say there was a few guys my freshman year that continued to invite me to the Bible study. So it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a straight line uh, road to accepting Christ. They, there was a few guys my freshman year that were part of this group that were inviting me to Bible studies. They were also going around door-to-door talking to people about Jesus. And my friends in the dorm who were kind of agnostic or atheist or kind of anti-religious, they had all sorts of negative terms for these guys. So like a holy rollers, super Christians, uh, there was a whole bunch of names for them. And I knew my freshman year, yeah, I'm kind of enjoying this Bible study, but I was also not really wanting to go too far in that direction. You can't see the air quotes on the radio, but uh, radio. (laughs) Uh, Not wanting to go too far in that direction because I knew what my friends, who still had kind of an influence over me, what they were saying about these guys. I didn't want to be seen like that. Uh, But those guys and their consistency of just always being nice to me, always inviting me even when I wouldn't come to stuff or when I would kind of be half-hearted in... So those guys laid the foundation where they were just living their lives uh, for Christ and loving me, even though I wasn't always responding well. Uh, And at the end of the year, sadly, I actually decided, I told uh, one of my non-Christian friends, I said, yeah, I'm not going to keep going to these uh, Bible studies because maybe I'll do that after college. It's not really a, a right now thing. And so I stopped going to the Bible studies. And so, but those guys, so those guys had an influence, but I decided to stop going my sophomore year. And it was in my sophomore year that really my heart started to change. I, I was not going, I was not involved in anything for a few months. And I began to feel the, well, talk about a, a God-sized hole in your heart, realizing that something's missing. I was doing a, having a good enough time at college, but there was something missing. And I actually pursued, I was living in a different dorm at the time, but I, I pursued and sought out a Bible study in that dorm with the same group. And so it's like the freshman year, they were always trying to get me to come to stuff. And sometimes I'd come, sometimes I wouldn't. But sophomore year, I sought a Bible study out. And so there was a guy that um, invited me to his Bible study, and he started meeting with me weekly and helped me understand uh, what it means to 
and not just place your faith in Christ, but to walk with Christ. And basically the difference between affirming the facts of the gospel and saying, I want, I want to know what the Bible says about every facet of life, and I, want, I have a desire at least to live according to that. And he, he walked with me, and there was all sorts of issues. As a, and, and so when I became a Christian, when I said, okay, I, I want to accept what Christ has done for me, uh, he walked with me for the next six months. He ended up graduating, going to uh, East Asia uh, as a missionary. But uh, he walked with me really weekly, sometimes more than once a week, just helping me, uh, help me figure out what it looks like to actually live like a Christian. Yeah. So did you have <clears throat> some, and this is not a trick question, I don't think there's necessarily a right one, but did you have, was there a moment that, you can look back and remember that, you know what, I put my faith in Jesus. It was at this time I, you know, I sat down and I talked to the Lord, or, you know, would you describe it as a process and you couldn't zero in on a certain time, but you know for sure? Yeah, no, there was a, there was a time, it was, it was January of, of my sophomore year, and uh, with a lot of things going on in my life at the time, there was a lot of wavering. I was, I was wanting to take my faith more seriously, um, but also still things were kind of, clawing at me and just the the different i would kind of see him at the time as pressures like just different things pulling at me to not follow christ and i'd actually come back from um a a weekend where i I was at home and uh just uh, fell back into uh some kind of older sins and i came back to uh columbus and i was up till i don't remember when but i was up late at night just kind of processing the things I was talking about, just what what it would look like to actually place my faith and say, I want to I want to trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and it was a wrestling match of just feeling like I couldn't let go of these things, and then it was like a oh wait I I can let go of these things, and it's not to say that I'm never gonna do those things again, but it's like. I don't need to live according to those things anymore. I, the Bible says you, you are therefore under no obligation to those things of which you are now ashamed, uh, and the outcome of those things is death. And it was like a, it was like a, oh wow, I can right now just let those things go and say I want to, I want to uh, trust Christ. And so, um, yeah, Amen. so that's, that's so late ni- late night laying in bed. Were there um, passages of scripture? that were kind of resonating in your own heart and mind? Uh, yeah, so the Second Corinthians passage, and I don't even know if it was that. So I remember later on looking at that those verses where it says those who, um, he, he died for all so that those who live might live for the one who died for them. I don't necessarily remember that verse being like a verse that somebody read to me, but that idea, it was that idea kind of, just being taught, you know, we were going to the Bible studies, going to the weekly meetings, and uh, Ephesians 4.1, uh, walk in a manner worthy of the calling. And that idea was was just reinforced over and over that, hey, we, we've been called to this, and now walk in it. Not so that you can be saved, but because he, because he did that for us. Uh, and so that, um, that, I'd say, made a pretty big impact. Is it 2 Corinthians 5? 2 Corinthians 5, yeah, yeah, 14 and 15. 
For the love of Christ controls us. Yeah. Is this the yeah, one? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who might live, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Yep. And I remember kind of stumbling upon that passage like a year or two after I got saved and being like, oh, like this, this encapsulates like that process. So yeah. I don't know if I ever heard that verse, but that was the, the general teaching of the, <laughs> the group that we yeah. were in. And yeah. So you come to Christ after a break, you come back to school. What was it like for you coming back home? Yeah. Uh, coming back to North Olmsted. Yeah, coming back to your family, to you know your old circles here. You have this change in your own heart and mind. Yeah. Um, these new commitments, these new desires. How you know what was the what yeah, was not, that like kind of coming back? Not after? getting down to the the tough questions because yeah, I would. So I got saved. I accepted Christ in Columbus, and almost immediately after I accepted Christ, like literally two weeks. Uh, they had an outreach, and it was like, uh, "Do you agree with Jared?" And no one knew what it meant, but it was all over the campus. Just question that chalk drawing signs all over. <laughs> and then the following week, uh, Jared was one of the Christians on campus. He put his testimony in the news in the school newspaper, and so you were being challenged to wear a, a bright was it bright yellow or bright pink? I can't remember. I think bright yellow, bright yellow T-shirt that says, "I agree with Jared." So you're basically putting a uh, bright yellow target on your, uh, <laughs> well, wearing it. And so the, it, was, it was immediately the question in Columbus was, am I going to, am I going to literally identify with Christ? It was, uh, if baptism is publicly identifying by going into water, this was publicly identifying by wearing a bright yellow shirt <laughs> in a campus that's somewhat hostile to the gospel. And uh, so I did. And then I, I, I pretty quickly got involved in leading Bible studies and in sharing my faith with my friends in the dorm. Uh, and that was my Columbus life. I kind of had this Columbus life where I was following Christ. And then I come back for the summers. And it's not that I said, okay, now I can turn that off. But I didn't have any kind of uh, context for walking with Christ in my group of friends from high school that I would go see. And so I, I would fall, kind of fall back into things uh, in those summers. And then I'd, and then school would start up and I kind of, so I was kind of not on purpose or intentionally living two lives, but it was, it was, it took a while to, to merge, to make one life and say, okay, I, I want to live for Christ wherever I'm at and learning how to, live for Christ without the support of having other guys from the Bible study or other guys um, from the church in, Col in Columbus uh, that were there for a, like a support network. So that was a, a struggle for a few years. Amen. Yeah. Any follow-up questions before we go on to the next one? Just thinking about that situation, was there a catalyst kind of to that change in mindset of not having the kind of like compartmentalized Columbus life, North Olmsted life? Like that brought it together? Was there like a moment that you recall or? Uh, so I'd say honestly, the catalyst, and this isn't good because it's not like I overcame the North Olmstead struggles, but there was one summer. So I graduated uh, and then went right into grad school, but there was a summer program uh, with the grad school where you had to stay in Columbus for that 
summer. So basically, I was coming off of being involved, and then had a summer where I was still in Columbus and um, really got to. That was the first time I got to have r- real solid Christian community. Uh, even with you know, I was I was going to the Bible studies and, be, and being part of things, but still kind of feeling like a little bit of an outsider. I know sometimes when people come new into church, or even if you've been at church for a while, you can feel like there's like this center of people that, ev- that everybody knows everybody, and you're kind of on the outside of that. I kind of felt like that for the first couple of years I was involved uh, in the Christian group in Columbus. Um, and then I kind of realized eventually, like everybody kind of feels that there is kind of this invisible center. Uh, but I, I got to know some people really well. I actually got to know my wife that summer. Uh, I, before that, I just knew her as a girl that was in, also leading a Bible study on campus. Um, but then there was a group of friends that we were studying the Bible together. We started to meet at Caribou Coffee at five, no, six in the morning, uh, once a week, and just talking about what we're what we're learning from Scripture. We were playing volleyball together. It was like we were we were trying to walk with Christ together. We were all just having fun together. Just just hanging out and that was my first experience of really just spending a lot of time with other people that want to walk with christ and that that kind of helped me say okay this i want this to be what my life looks like wherever i'm at and so it wasn't necessarily by going back to north homestead and, and having something spark there it was having a summer where i really got to really get to know some christians well and get have some deep relationships. Uh, with so that them. community, <clears throat> what we call alongside, no, perhaps that yeah, yeah, yeah. that was that catalyst that kind of provided maybe that stability and that grounding. Yes, yes. Were, were you involved in a in a local church? Yeah. So we uh, so a bunch of us from the um, uh, from that campus group had started going to church. Uh, just in Upper Arlington, just a little bit outside of Columbus, but still pretty much in that same area. And so, yeah, we were we were hanging out during the week. We were going to church together. We would try to. Uh, so that was when Chipotle was kind of coming around. Yeah. Uh, and so we'd go to this new cool place, Chipotle, and just try to talk about the the sermon that we just heard. And kind of so it was like. Uh, it was just, hey, what do you guys think of it? What do we need to do about it? And it just really helped to foster some real solid community. Yep, yep. cool. Um, what's the biggest difference between the Steve Glick before Christ and the Steve Glick with Christ now? Yeah, I think there's still, of course, struggles all over the place. I think bef- I kind of alluded to it already, but it just at least having a desire to make Christ a part of every single decision and every aspect of my life. Before, it was it was very... I mean, before, uh, when I was in high school or just going to kind of talking about that once-a-week thing, there was no thought of what is what does the Bible say about this issue or that issue and how I ought to act. Um, and at least now, I'm, I think I'm at least trying to ask those questions uh, going into every situation what would the Lord want me to do here? Yep. So let me ask you, kind of related to this, um, <clears throat> perhaps there's going to be someone listening, a college student who is in those early stages that you were kind of walking through. Um, what would be your 
your advice, your wisdom to that student right now? Uh, Surprise question. Yeah. Well, for me, it was, you know, college college is the first time that you literally have to make every single decision about your day. Like your mom or dad are not telling you to go to class. They're not telling you what to do or what to stay away from. Uh, or maybe they're telling you from afar, but they're not on the ground there with you. And so it, it's for the first time you, you get, you have to make those decisions on your own. And my, my advice would be if, if they're, if they're considering, well, what, what is true, start reading the Bible. And, you know, I, cause my freshman year, I got these agnostics, atheists talking to me about what they believe. And I got these Christians talking to me about what they believe. And it was, uh, it was a time of questioning, but when I started reading the Bible for myself, uh, I started to see what was in there and it, it started to to make sense and it started to click in a way that just hearing things on a Sunday. So I won't even say, you know, obviously going to church would be a good thing, but reading the Bible on your own, I, I encouraged friends at the time, uh, you know, that were, that were questioning. I said, ask God to, if, if he's real, ask God to reveal himself as you're reading the Bible and see what happens. And so if someone is in kind of in that questioning time or trying to figure out what's true, ask real questions. Is God real? Did Jesus really die on the cross? Uh, look into those things. I went to a, a debate freshman year. It was a guy uh, from the Jesus Seminar who kind of, they kind of pick apart different parts of the Bible. And on the other side was, uh, I'm forgetting his name now, but a well-renowned uh uh, uh, Christian, uh, and they were debating: Did Jesus die on the cross, or did he rise from the dead? And I came away from that more convinced that the more logical explanation is that he did uh, rise from the dead. Um, and so I'd say to the college student considering it: Read the Bible, see what's in there. Don't just go by what people say about it. Uh, and investigate, did Jesus really die and rise from the dead? Those are the key questions. Yep. Well, that moment, that progress 20 years ago, 15, yeah. 17 years ago. Yeah, 21. <coughs> Yikes. Got to carry yeah. the one. No, 23. 23. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So that has had lasting impact in your life today. Yeah. And so how... How is God working in your life today? Yeah, so I, I'd say I up and down, up and down, that my life and my spiritual journey is still a little bit of a roller coaster. And I remember uh, about a year or two, I was feeling like, man, my, my walk right now is just up and down, up and down. And why, why can I not have this, this fervent or fire that's just straight out consistent 
like I used to have is what I was thinking at the time. And it was right around that time I, I found um, some old journals from like 10, 12 years ago. And I started reading them and reading what I had been writing 10, 12 years ago. And what I would, basically the gist of what I was writing 10, 12 years ago was, man, why can't I have this consistent fire, this consistency? And so I was like, oh, sometimes when you look back, you think, oh, everything was hunky-dory at that time. And why can't I just kind of duplicate that? And uh, you can kind of gloss over. So I think uh, still just the, I think what the Lord is continuing to show me is I, I still, I want him to be part of every aspect of my life. And I'm still realizing I'm just not as consistent as I want to be in that. Um, but I can't fool myself to think I was more consistent 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Whenever, uh, you know, I'm, I'm giving you guys the highlights uh, and there was a bunch of lowlights in there as well. And, but you kind of, you can forget that. Yep, yep. Um, but just that striving toward consistency that I don't know if I'll ever feel like, okay, now I, I've, now I'm consistent, but uh, just that I would continue to strive toward consistency. Yep. In yeah, one. Philippians 3, I haven't arrived yeah. I haven't made it my own, yeah. but I press on. Yeah. So, amen. Well, Steve, I appreciate you uh, just showing some vulnerability, sharing also how uh, just the beautiful story of God saving us. And we appreciate you being willing to share that and just we'll keep praying and trusting that God will use this and uh, bring others to Christ. Yep. Amen. amen. All right. Thank you. All right. Next episode coming up here in a couple of weeks. We'll talk to you.